This is Radio Maria, and this is 5678 Faith. This is 5678 Faith, and I'm Helena, and thank you so much for joining us with this episode. This summer has been zooming by, and what a lovely summer it has been. Really enjoying all the different musicals or films that we've enjoyed as theater people, as chaplains for theater, and also just as theater lovers. I've had people such as Bishop Jeffrey. Bishop Jeff on to talk about his work with Theatre Chaplains UK, the Right Reverend Lindsay Meader, uh, the director of Theatre Chaplaincy UK. I've also had Sister Cecilia and Lindsay, two of my friends on just to chat about our, the musicals we love. And I've also had Mel Ward, who is one of the RE teachers at St. Mary's here in Cambridge. Today, I'm going over the sea, well, bringing over the sea to me with my friend, Mark Falconer. Hello, Mark. Hi. <laughs> so oh, this is just so exciting for me uh, because I haven't seen Mark in forever. And he was friends with me in, while I was in grad school. And then he moved and lived in New York at the same time as I did. And it's just been a beautiful, beautiful time. And it's weird because I can see him and I'm not used to speaking to someone that I can see because it's radio. <laughs> I keep not looking at him and I'm like, I can look at you, Mark. There you are. Oh, and what a smile it is. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right, let's start the show off with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for technology and letting me be able to reconnect with my friend from from who's in New York currently. Please take care of all those in America that are dealing with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Bless all those around the world uh, working to support people and take care of people during this time. Bless all those in theater or in the arts and give them the strength, courage, and confidence to continue to create and bless us with their beautiful work. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, Mark. Here we go. Here we go. I'm very excited. Now, I must say uh, to my listeners, uh, Mark is currently working in theater in New York. Mark, tell us a little bit about what you're doing over there. Sure. Yeah, I work for a small not-for-profit theater company called Royal Family Productions. And um, our mission statement generally is that we're very focused on um, representing marginalized groups on stage. So we do plays by women, we do plays by people of color, um, basically just trying to bring, you know, the diversity of the world into the theater space so that audiences can see themselves. You know, it's like we did a version of Anne of Green Gables um, with a, uh, an Asian woman as Anne. And uh, it, was, it was really wonderful because we, there were so many like little Asian girls in the audience who just completely connected with the story in a way that they might not have had we cast it traditionally with like a red-haired freckled girl you know that's a good question though how did you get around because her having and having red hair is an important part of that story oh or are you not allowed to share that secret no no I, i i mean it's just that's the magic of theater you know it's like 
also on stage you cannot see prince edward island you know you can't see the 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 pure the magical way of delight or whatever she calls it and the the lake of sparkling water and all of that just it has to be in your imagination and with anne's red hair it was it was all in your imagination i mean i honestly for me i love that show so much um that now when i watch like the movie version of anne of green gables i'm like this is not who I think of as Anne, you know? Oh, I love that. because well, For our listeners out there, this is, there There are very, there's not, I don't want to say there's levels of theater and, and what you're describing now is like the highest level where you must be entranced and have a huge imagination and stuff like that, because it's not true. But there are, um, my sons, for instance, probably that would fly over their heads, but my sons are eight and six, but maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. They may have gotten it. It's amazing how you see a mime artist and he's not, and then my sons will get it. So perhaps, all right, perhaps they would get Anna Green Gables, but I love that. And that is, um, Mark and I have created uh, together uh, and then just seen so many lovely shows where imagination fills in the gaps imagination creates the world and oh so listeners be careful we're not doing any joseph in the dream coat this episode oh no <laughs> we are going to stretch your imagination we are we are mark you are also an award-winning actor as well <laughs> <laughs> seems like a lifetime ago helena no, no, no. Uh, I'm going to boost up the prestige of my show by having award-winning actors on yes, my yes. show. The, uh, the glamorous pulsar of uh, East Lansing. Uh, East Lansing, Michigan. I, many yes, greats I, have come from there. I, I won two pulsar awards for my work in She Loves Me as Arpad, and then the whole company won a best ensemble for the musical that we did, A Day in Hollywood, A Night in the Ukraine, which, coincidentally was written by two Englishmen. Ah, there you go. English people are great. But so are us Americans and Michiganders. Michiganders. Oh, I love it. I love it. So there you have it, guys. I am bringing you a two-time Pulsar-winning actor here on our, on our beautiful streams today. Let's get... So I messaged Mark, and I was like, Mark, I've got this show over on Radio Maria, and we're, we're talking about musicals. And Mark has been, for you listening, has been this wonderful person that I've been able to go to church with, uh, been able to talk about God. He is uh, he, Lutheran, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've had many different guests on the show, so it's not just a Catholic show. But it's been lovely because, I will be honest, Mark usually knows more about most of the stuff than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is a better Catholic than I am sometimes <laughs> with just knowing uh, just knowing so many different things. And I guess I'm the stereotypical Catholic where we don't really know our Bible too much. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I got that year year of the Bible course going my way. <laughs> but so I knew Mark would be a great person for the show. And as an award winner, he's perfect. <laughs> so I told Mark, Mark, I need some really obscure musicals because I've, I've we've done Joseph, we've done uh, Les Mis. I need some new some new meat, <laughs> and he he is going to bring it to us today. All right, Mark, which show do you want to start with talking about? Well, let's just start from the beginning, right? Let's start with uh, King David. Yes. I, yes. I, when I say the beginning, I mean I sent Helena a list, and so it was like, <laughs> let's start at the beginning of the list. Not at the beginning of the Bible, because as you'll see, one of these musicals goes all the way back to the beginning, and it's not King David. But King David, no. you know, it goes back to King, First Samuel. It's 
it's pretty it's pretty old pretty pretty old much older than the other ones we've been talking about now i think about it we've had only one old testament musical so far and that was the prince of egypt uh which we'll talk about more oh, later so. well what and joseph oh and joseph joseph comes before prince of egypt oh and there's uh <laughs> this is embarrassing so where does king david fit in that timeline is he pre-joseph post-moses no, 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 no. Nope, nope, post no, no, no. so so uh i mean just we're talking biblical history now but uh basically after the israelites settle in the land of israel um they you know they all have their different tribes and uh at first they're ruled by uh you know joshua dies and then they're ruled by the judges and then um you know famously it says you know the people of israel demanded god give them a king and so he gave them king saul who uh turned out to not be a, a great guy, you know? Um, and then God had Samuel anoint David as his successor. Successor, And so David was the, um, the second king of the United uh, Monarchy of Israel. And David is the David that went up against Goliath. Yes. <laughs> you, have to, you have to go with the storybook children's Bible stories to make sure I'm up to date. All right. Well, uh, I mean, uh, if you if you want me to, I'll just give a brief summary of the musical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's no, not a lot of people have heard of this musical. Uh, it was written by Alan Menken and Tim Rice. Oh, uh, I've got to insert here, who also did uh, Tim Rice, Did You, Joseph, and Jesus Christ Superstar. And yeah. they also got together for Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yes. All great. Uh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Some of the staged songs for Beauty and the Beast. Um, but yeah, so King David actually starts with, um, Samuel anointing David. So Saul is already the king and, um, he's at war with the Philistines and he is turned away from the path that God wanted him to take. And so Samuel goes out to David. David's just a kid. He's a shepherd boy. Um, and, and Samuel says, you know, you're, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And so then we get, um, David coming to Saul and uh, defeating Goliath. Yes. And then um, being part of Saul's royal court. And that is, so it's pretty early in the show. That's where this song falls because famously, um, King David was the writer of most of the Psalms. And um, so that's what we get. The, the sense that we get in 1 Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel is that uh, Saul was prone to these violent tempers. And then David would come in and he would play his lute and sing a psalm and he, that would soothe Saul's temper. Um, and so that's exactly what happens in the musical. He, um, he's a part of the court and Saul says, hey, play us a song. And so he, he plays this song called Psalm 8. And it really is just Tim Rice's versification of the Psalm 8 that's in the Bible. And I, it's it's really it's a lovely, lovely melody, um, and it's one of my favorite psalms. I I like the psalms that talk about how small and insignificant we are as humans, um, and like it's it it's just it gives you this sense that it's, it's impossible to convey the the greatness and majesty of God as human beings because we're we're so much we're so far below him. And so Psalm 8 is one of those psalms that talks about that. There, there's another psalm, actually, uh, that 
is used in Haydn's creation, which I really like. It's the heavens declare the wonders of, of God's handiwork. And it's just about like looking up at the stars and thinking, wow, God made all of this. And like, we're just looking at it. We're here on the earth. And it's just like, um, a, a, it just really puts into perspective the, the vast difference. It's like, you know, um, like when God says to Job, like, where were you when the earth was made? <laughs> where mm. were you, where were you when I created all these things? What, you know, it, that's really the ultimate answer is like, we cannot honestly question God because he's just so far beyond us. It's like an ant questioning a human being. I love how in the, in the lyrics, uh, one of it, he goes only through love can this be understood and through mercy explained. And I feel like that time and time and time again, we ask ourselves like, why, why would God care for me? Why, why, why am I even that important? And it's all mercy, 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 mercy. Yeah. Uh, let's have let's have a listen. Let's have a listen. Okay. Lord, how your name shines in glory in and above all the earth. Out of the mouths of mere babes, very sucklings, your strength will flow. Thus we grow. Founding your enemies right from our moment of birth. When I consider your heavens, the universe you have ordained, why would creation of man be of any concern to only through love can this be understood and through mercy explained. And man is made no small thing, and whether slave or king, he is with honor crowned by God. He is allowed control and command the whole of the works of your hand, Lord. Lord, how your name shines in glory in and above all the earth. Human afflictions and petty distractions we must ignore, rage no more. God has faith in their worth. That was Psalm 8 from the concert version of King David. Oh, Mark, in my head, I envision if you were in a bustling world, you're kind of like David, where you sing a song to calm us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
well, uh, kind of, I guess. I, there yeah. you go. <laughs> we 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 uh, we'll have to get you on again, Mark, just to sing a song. <laughs> but not not that we don't have time this episode. But we'll get you on just to show. Uh, oh no, he's blushing now. See, I can see you, and it works. It works. I love it. I love it. I love it. That show, King David, is it ever going to become a musical? Do you know? Oh, give us well, the dirt. It 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 is a music. I mean, uh, it never it never came to like. Was it ever a staged musical though? Well. So the thing about King David is the, the entire show is sung through. It's a lot like Ellen Menken's like kind of Les Mis, you know, it's, there's no dialogue. Um, it's, it's all very kind of pop opera in the sense that like the guy playing David, you need to have the same lungs as like a guy playing Valjean because you're just singing the whole show nonstop. Um, so I think it's, it's a difficult show. It's a really, really large, large piece. You need a huge orchestra, you need a huge chorus. Um, and it's shows like that are very expensive. Uh, they they don't tend to make a ton of money. So you're you're most likely going to find it in nonprofit settings. I saw it. I saw King David. Um, you could have seen it with me actually because we were both in New York at the same time. No, I'm sorry that I I'm, I'm sad that I didn't invite you. But NYU did it, and they did a full 100 piece orchestra. Um, it was all students, you know. It was grad students too, but uh, it was. Very good, very moving, I thought, very powerful. Oh, you know, you know who could get this to happen? Um, hashtag Hugh Jackman. <laughs> no, maybe not. Hugh Jackman, I think at this point, has to play Saul. He's too old to play David. Oh, uh, well, bring it on, bring it on. Who would you, in, in a movie version, who would you have as David? Hmm, great question. Oh, well, you know, we're top questions here <laughs> with five, six, seven, eight, five. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like maybe you'd want a uh, an unknown as David. And if you have like Hugh Jackman as Saul and you have like Anne Hathaway as Michal, who is David's first wife. Ooh, um, and you could get um what's her name? Um um that that girl who played Cazette, uh what's her name? I can see her face in my head. Yeah, from Mamma Mia too, right? Yeah, from Mamma Mia, yeah. She could be um Bathsheba. Oh, there you go. And Zac Efron could be, um, um, no, no, I, I don't think he can play David. But he could easily play one of the other characters, like Joab, who is David's general, is a main character. Um, I just feel like if you surround David with enough stars, then you can cast an unknown as David, you know? But a really good singer, apparently. Oh, yeah, he has to be a really good singer. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited. Watch this space for the movie. We'll announce it first year. Oh, let's go on to the next song. Oh, now this is a, a, a tricky show. I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen it. I've never even taken part in it. Um, I've heard so many of my friends did this at their universities and at their colleges. And it's um, written by Stephen Schwartz, who I met yesterday, sort of. I <laughs> I went to see Prince of Egypt yesterday and he was walking out and he had a mask on. You can't have autographs right now in the time of the pandemic, which sucks. So I didn't know like, what do I do with him? And I can't say, oh, can I have a, a selfie, but with like masks, so what's the point? So I shouted out, love the show, Steven. And he looked me in the eye, he looked me in the eyes, Mark. And he waved and he waved. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's our little connection here for, um, Children of Eden. Ooh, is this a controversial show, Mark? I was looking it up. I'm like, oh, ooh. Well, now we we don't feign from controversy here on Five Six Seven Eight Faith, but but what, what? Give me the deals. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly. Um, I love Children of Eden. It is one of my all-time favorite musicals. I find it to be just so moving and powerful, and it speaks to me on a number of different levels. It, if you're looking for a very orthodox, traditional version of the first six chapters of Genesis, this is not that. Um, God in this piece is called Father, and that really gives you an idea of what Stephen Schwartz was going for. Really, the whole piece, I mean, there, there are a lot of different themes running through it, but one of the major themes of the piece is the, the, the idea of learning how to be a parent and learning mm -hmm. what parents need from their children and what children need from their parents and how, um, how best to give that to them. And so it's not like this particular song, World Without You, is... Yeah my favorite song from the show but it's not it's not like theologically sound <laughs> you know um basically in this song you have uh eve has eaten the apple and god says eve you have to leave the garden now because this is the garden of eden is a place for children and you are now no longer a child and, uh, mark you're giving a lot of spoilers <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and adam says i I what I don't want to I don't want to be here without Eve, and so Adam hasn't eaten the apple yet, and God basically says Adam, you you have to choose now. You have to choose whether you want to stay here and be my child forever, or or sin, eat the apple and go off and be with Eve, um, and so the song is Adam's kind of like cry of anguish, and and the title A World Without You pops up in three different three different verses, three different contexts. The first, he talks to, he says, I can't live in a world without you, my father. And then he says, I can't live in a world without you, my wife. And then he sings, I, I can't live in a world without you, my garden, because he was the first gardener. He took, he was the, the owner of creation, the, the person in charge of creation. Um, but of course, we all know Adam does eat the apple and does leave. I, I, I don't, Again, theologically speaking, uh, it's it's not like a a song. I think that fill, fills the role of what actually God is trying to tell us in the story of Adam and Eve. Um, but as a moment of drama on stage, I find it to be just so moving. It's like uh, it's it's it is about like choosing whether or not to grow up and face a harsh and, and scary world or to remain a child. And, and, and that's how, I mean, we, we all make that choice and we all choose what Adam chose in the musical, but um, I, I, that's not, it, it's, it's kind of ripping out of the context of the Bible, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can understand why some people wouldn't like it, but for me, I, I said this actually to one of my friends one time, because they were like, you know, my friend said, um, how can you like this musical? Because it takes so many liberties with the Bible. And I said, I, I think that God is happy for us to take these stories and use them to teach us different lessons, you know? Because ultimately, the message of the show is that even though growing up is hard, like, you have to do it. And the best way to be a parent is not to clutch your child tighter, but to let them learn and grow and make their own mistakes and just be them be there for them when they fall mm. um i i love it i love it and i do think um 
uh, it just shows you the power of theater again i've said this in like every episode about how it takes a story it connects it this one they use the story of genesis but they expand on it they they take liberties with it and if anything it creates discussion in my opinion i think this is this is probably why they do it at universities or in high schools this program because it creates dialogue and discussion especially afterwards where as a parent you can be like so what do you think about that what do you think about that i don't know mom why did god do that so it creates really great discussion even if it's son that's not really how it happened but it keeps this dialogue happening which is also a part of growing up yeah. So let's have a listen. Then you would never see me again. Oh, my Father, Lord and Creator, you know that half my heart is yours. All that you gave me, I can't repay you. If I betray you, I'll break into How could I live in a world without you? You'll stay here, Adam. Be my son But forever. But oh, my life's partner, my wife, my lover, you know that half my heart is yours. Each time I see you, you fill my spirit. Just knowing you're near, it makes the day new. How could I live in a world without you? Oh, Father, please don't make me choose. Either way, it's more than I can bear to lose. Either way, it's ripping out my heart. This choice is tearing me apart. You see what you have done? Pain has come into the garden Where there is choice, there is pain Make this one choice, my son Choose not to eat this fruit And you will never have to make a choice again Oh, we, what would you give If this day you could relive Would you let the apple go uneaten? No, I cannot bear to feel this Was Children of Eden, a world without you. This is five, six, seven, eight. Faith, and today I have got my friend Mark Falconer, two-time Pulsar winner from the great state of Michigan, America, on the show today. Mark, thank you for joining me. 
today. You're welcome. I, I have to say, though, I don't really think of myself as being from Michigan. You know, it's like, how, you're not really from Michigan, Helena. You're I'm from- not. I was only in Michigan for two years. Well, <laughs> you were I, there for a long time. I was there for eight years. I went to high school and college in Michigan. But I grew up in Pennsylvania. So that's, I think of myself as a Pennsylvanian. But you've been living in New York for how many years now? I've been living in New York longer than anywhere else in my life. There you go. Okay. So you are a bona fide New Yorker. There you go. Mike, I was working the numbers. 14 years now. 14 years. 14 years. Oh, time has zoomed by. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I was working out the numbers, and I will pretty soon be living in England more than I have anywhere else. Even Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I was like South Carolina first and Georgia. Uh, Uh, But I still like to think of myself as a sweet, sweet southerner with with kindness and charm. That's how we all think of you, Helena. Bless you, honey. Bless you, bless you. <laughs> and, if I, and to let you know, if I get really tired or have had too much um, wine or anything, <laughs> Southern accent comes back strong. <laughs> All right, so on to our next musical. Now, this one I'm very excited about. I haven't heard much, but just looking into it, I was like, ooh, ooh, I like it. This is Good Time Charlie. Talk to us about this, Mark. Mm, another one of my favorite scores. Uh, that it's it's a musical all about Joan of Arc. However, the good time Charlie of the title is the Dauphin, um, which of course, as we all know, is the French word for the next king, uh, Dauphin. Um, and the Dauphin is uh, like Charles the Sixth or something. I don't I don't remember exactly what Charles he is, but um, he was uh, a, a major part of the Joan of Arc story. Um, famously, he's the one who she came to court and picked him out. Like he was, he was hiding, and like her test was like find out who the actual Dauphin was. It wasn't the guy on the throne. That was a uh, that was a um, a Ooh, false like flag. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that actually, they turned that into a very, very fun song in the musical. That scene. Um, but yeah, of course, eventually, as we all know, Joan of Arc was captured and was burned at the stake. And the Dauphin, for several different reasons, politically and otherwise, was not inclined to go rescue her. Uh, Yeah, so if you read about this musical in the history books, they'll tell you um, one of the main issues is that this is the the wrong character is the main character. Like, the main character should be Joan. Um, The Dauphin is less likable, um, and and just not really not really worthy of being the main character. However, uh, the original show was um, starring Joel Gray, and it was all tailored to him. So that's why he was the star. Um, that's why the Dauphin was the main character. That said, yeah. I, I still highly recommend uh, seeking out the cast recording. It's got a, a ton of great songs. Some kind of just okay, but a, a bunch of them are really great. This particular song that I chose actually is one of the most unique Broadway songs I've ever heard. It is a a gorgeous melody, but the song is sung by two minor supporting comic relief characters, and the lyrics are very, very funny. Um, They're basically like medieval peasants, and... um, they are talking about how terrible their lives are, but they're like, but they're, they're, the, the joke is that they're looking on the bright side. It's like, you know, 
the famine was very mild this year. I've only lost a couple pounds. And, and <laughs> the song is called Merci Bon Dieu. Dieu. Um, because they're, they're saying, you know, thanks be to God. He's, he's shining his mercy on us. Um, because the, the pestilence was mild. You know, on, I only lost a toe this year. <laughs> Mark, I feel like this would be a perfect song. Uh, whenever I come to New York and we do a karaoke or whatever at the at that yes. duet's place, we Definitely. should do this one. We should. We should. <laughs> so, um, just a little uh, history about this as well. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, Al Pacino was supposed to be. They were they were trying to get him to be in it originally. I didn't know that. I know. Whoosh over. Uh, they see. I, I'm teaching you a thing or two. <laughs> But it's also, it's interesting, and this is something that we haven't talked about, is sometimes shows get changed around, written based on the actors they get or the, the directors that they get. So it's amazing, like, uh, you, th- you think um, a show, why does that character have a big song? Well, probably because it's a big actor and they were like, I need a big song if I'm going to be in this. Yeah. So education, there you go. <laughs> Let's have a listen. This is Merci Bon Dieu from Good Time Charlie. Winter's almost gone and spring's upon us. My feet are warm and so are mine. God has seen it fit to shine his mercy on us. Merci Bon Dieu. Merci Bon Dieu. Another spring is on the way We'll live to see another May We're still alive And here to say Merci, bon Dieu Merci, bon Dieu The wolves were on the run By late December The packs were few The toll was small Damage from the fire very slight, remember Owing to the flood So all in all It wasn't bad as winters go I froze my nose I lost a toe And these were both Above the snow Merci, bon Merci, bon The pestilence was mine Praise be to heaven A little pox A minor scourge At least it wasn't like The plague of 27 Merci, bon Dieu Merci, bon Dieu that was Good Time Charlie's Merci, bon Dieu And this is 5678 Faith at Radio Maria. I have loved, loved, loved talking about musical theater, music, the power of imagination, and the way theater can create discussion between you and other audience members after a show. Today, I have with me Mark Falconer, a New Yorker, (laughs) (laughs) who is currently working with the Royal Family Productions in New York, who helps uh, bring to life productions with a focus on marginalized people. Mark, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it, it, you know, it was <laughs> and still is my pleasure. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so far on the show, we have brought to you, you may have never heard of it, but there's King David. Again, there's a concert recording of it that you can hear and you can find. Who knows? It might come to film one day. <laughs> uh, we've, also, <laughs> maybe. we've also heard um, from Children of Eden, A World Without You. And the last song. Like I said, it's from Good Time Charlie, Mercy Bondu. But we must move along to what was and, and still is uh, bringing me a smile to my face. The stingiest man in town you brought up. Oh, just uh, if listeners, if you've watched this, you you are part of my childhood as well. It, it's such an important part of Christmas time. I, I, I know it was in America. I don't know if it was in England. Oh, no. Well, I. What I one of the things I find so funny about the stingiest man in town, which full disclosure, I did not watch as a boy. I only saw it for the first time as an adult, um, and I completely fell in love with the score. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but what I think is so funny about this is that we've we've taken this quintessentially British story of a <laughs> Christmas Carol, and it's the most crassly American mid like mid-century American version of that story that you could possibly ring out of it. Like this this song I think is a is not really in in keeping with Dickens's tone at all. And before this song, there is a song called Yes Virginia, there really is a Santa Claus, which it's like <laughs> like I feel like I, again, I love the song. Actually it's a very fun, fun song and it's pretty, but um you get the sense that like Dickens is rolling over in his grave as as you listen to it. It's like, what did they do to my British story? They made it so like, it, it, you just it's it's the same image I get of like a Charlie Brown Christmas with like the aluminum trees. It's like so American mid-century. <laughs> And that is what we are bringing to you today on Radio <laughs> But you, do you want me to talk about this particular song? Yeah, yes, please. Yes, please. So uh, we all remember, of course, that um, uh, the character of Fred, uh, Scrooge's nephew, right? That's his name's Fred, right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, and so at, in The Ghosts of Christmas Present, he brings Scrooge um, to Fred's party and and, you know, in all of the film adaptations, we all see uh, somebody makes a joke about how Scrooge is so nasty and everyone laughs and Scrooge is like, oh, I wish that I had friends and I could do fun stuff with people. Um, and so this scene, uh, this song takes place in that scene uh, where Fred interrupts his party to basically, like, give us a lecture on the real meaning of the holiday. <laughs> um it, but in a very, like, weirdly veiled way. Like, he never comes out and says, Jesus, the song is called The Birthday Party of the King. And there are a bunch of uh, biblical allusions. Um, he talks about the, the wise men bringing incense, myrrh, and gold. Um, the king who loves all creation. And, uh, uh, the, the, of course, the, the real lyric is, um, what can you bring to the birthday party of the king? Because as Jesus is the Lord of all, he already has everything. And, and, and I think that the song says it's a heart full of love is the gift that you can bring him, which uh, is uh, again, kind of like American Christianity. It's like, <laughs> let me offer Jesus my heart of love, which uh, I, I, you know, that's, I also have theological qualms with that, but it, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's a song that is so uh, endearing because it's it clearly the songwriters really 
believed in what they were writing. You know, uh, I I find it a little chintzy, um, but but in, I, it still touches me um, because it is so truthful from the perspective that it was written. <laughs> let's, well, now that we've built it up, let's have a listen. Christmas trees are brightly lighted Through the world the church bells ring Great and small are all invited To the birthday party of the king Mighty prince and humble peasant Each will choose a gift to bring Do you have a birthday present For the birthday party of the king Once wise men came in his honor Bringing incense, myrrh, and gold But what is gold to a ruler Who has all the stars to hold Do you know what gift will please him Please him more than anything all creation brought the hope of peace to men each day throughout every nation let that hope be born again Party of the King from the stingiest man in town. Oh, brings me back. Brings me those animators. Uh, it's it's a cartoon or the thing. Uh, those animators did must have been like raking it in year after year with Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph, all those things. I I will say, actually, it was originally a live action um, TV musical first, oh. and so if you've only ever seen the animated version, I. I'm, I'm going to send you the, the soundtrack to the TV version because the songs are, are extended in the, the TV. Yes, the- yes. Yeah. Oh, lucky listeners. We're going to have the extended version. Yes, yes. Um, I, 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 
I, oh, I love Christmas. We need to, I, I can't have an episode just on Christmas. So <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to revisit theater at Christmas, maybe pantomime Christmas uh, later this year. Oh, uh, but not now, not now. Um, we're going to go with the last musical that you suggested. And again, I've never seen it. I tried to look it up. I didn't have much time to find out much. Uh, but this is called, is it called Philemon? Philemon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you go to church, sometimes the priest says Philemon. But in oh. the show, in the show, they the name is pronounced Philemon. And from what I can tell, I think that is the more authentic way to say the name. All right. But so yes, what's the show about? Where did this come from? Philemon is, of course, a book of the Bible. Um, it was one of Paul's letters. Um, the the character of, the, even though the letter is titled Philemon, I'm just going to start saying Philemon, just for consistency's sake. So even though the letter is titled Philemon, it's not about Philemon. It's the shortest of Paul's letters. It's only like two pages in your Bible. And basically the story of that letter is that the slave Onesimus has escaped from this Christian's house, the Christian Philemon, and he's come and he's met Paul. And now Paul has apparently converted the slave, um, and so Onesimus has become a Christian. And Paul says to Onesimus, he says, okay, now I'm going to send you back to your master because this is what you have to do. As, as, as a Christian, you, you ran away and that was wrong, so you must return. Um, but he says in the letter, uh, he says, I'm going to give you a letter. Give this to your master. And in the letter, he says, Philemon, I, I'm sending you back your slave. Please forgive him. He's a Christian now. I would encourage you to receive him as a brother and not as a slave. Um, Paul doesn't insist on that. But he says, you know, as, as a fellow Christian, he really shouldn't be your slave anymore. He is now your brother in Christ. So that is Philemon in the Bible. That's the only thing that we know about him is that he had a slave who ran away and Paul sent the slave back. The musical is... Yes, uh, bring it in, bring it on. What does the musical do? The musical also, funnily enough, the character of Philemon is completely absent from the show. He is, he is a Christian leader and that's all we know about him. The musical is actually about a Roman centurion who hires a, a Greek clown to pose as Philemon to infiltrate the Christian group in Antioch so the Romans can come in and, and kill them all, basically. Um, and the clown is uh, just an incredible world-weary cynic. Like, he lost his wife. He's, everything in his life has gone terribly. He has no success. He's beaten every day. Um, and so he says, you know what? I'll do it. Because if, if you'll pay me, if you'll get me out of this town, I'll do anything for you. So he goes, he poses as Philemon, because nobody knows what Philemon looks like. So he poses as Philemon, and for the first time in his life, he sees love and kindness and compassion from these Christians. And, and he starts realizing, I hated who I was. I don't want to be that person. I want to be Philemon. And so at the end of the show, um, the Roman centurion says, this is your last chance. Like, if you don't give those Christians over to me, I, I'm going to crucify you instead. And Philemon says, "I please, I, I've never had a, a life before, and now I finally have had one, and I'm happy to die for to because now I know that th this 
the Christian creed of love and, and unconditional love for everyone, for all people, is, is the only way to live. And he's happy to die for that. And he does. Is this, uh, is this, so is this, the, the version I found is, is a recording from 2019. Is it? Well, it, it, it I believe it, the original cast recording was remastered and released on CD in 2019. Oh, there you go. So wait, what, what time, because this sounds like something maybe from the 70s. The yes. si- when, ah, there you go. It there was written go. in like 1973 or something like that. It, um, it's written by Tom Jones and Harvey Schmidt, who are most famous for writing The Fantastics. Um, and if you know The Fantastics... Like, a lot of the music sounds very similar. Uh, Honestly, I picked this song uh, not because it's my favorite song in the show, but because I feel like the show itself um, doesn't really have a song that encapsulates its moral and its message and why I love it. But this song is taken directly from scripture. It's, it's, It's the moment at the end where the main character realizes that now he, he is and will always be Philemon. Um, and it's, a, it is a, um, a, a messenger coming from Paul and re, and the, the complete lyrics to the song are the famous um, love text from uh, first Corinthians, I believe um, about how, you know, there abide three things, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And this moves him so much that that's, the impetus for him to go to the Roman centurion and say, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not giving you the Christians. I'm, I'm now a Christian. Yeah. We had this, we had that text at my, my wedding. And if Mark, if you ever get married, uh, I, I think you should use that text too. Oh, sing this song maybe even. Oh, I love it. I love singing at a wedding. Before we listen to it, let's, because I feel like, Oh, you, you, you would know this. Um, so we've got in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, you've got this influence. Uh, you've got Godspell, Joseph, all these musicals coming out that take stuff from the Bible and stuff. Do you know why? Why at that time? I mean, wasn't that like Vietnam? or I mean, Why? Why at that time? Well, I'll tell you this show in particular. Um, the author has talked about his inspiration and his inspiration is actually World War Two. So oh. the the Christian part of the musical is less important for him than the, um, basically the Romans represent uh, fascism in the show. And because there's actually a very, I mean, it's very clear if you see the show, the Roman centurion actually says things that sound very eugenicist, very Nazi-like, where he's like, um, it's better to murder uh, starving children because we should get rid of, get, we should end people's suffering. We shouldn't be loving everyone. And, mm. and so... The, the, the Christian idea of unconditional love for all of humanity um, is really what the uh, author of the show um, finds so powerful about Christianity. He's less concerned with theology and more just concerned with the idea of um, unconditional love. Um, so, so I guess maybe that's what was going on at that time was there was so much like the world was like, I mean, not like we're in a great, wonderful world now, but there was, I think maybe the world of music, the world of theater was just like love, gosh, goodness but, gracious people, just love. I mean, if you look at our current times, which I agree are very tumultuous, we're getting a lot of new biblical adaptations too. I mean, the Aronofsky film Noah, which I really, really enjoyed, just came out and um, the Prince of Egypt just got a stage musical. And Oh, and I, they, had, they did a redo, Christian Bale was in the film version of that as well? 
Yeah, Not yeah, the, I, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Exodus, yeah, the Exodus, Exodus yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that I think that um, because, and this is one of the reasons why I love Children of Eden so much. To go back to that show is because the themes of the Bible are so universal and timeless. We will always keep going back to the Bible um, to retell those stories because they speak to deeper truths than and than other kind of less profound entertainments that we have, you know? Oh, I love it. Oh, Mark, you're like the perfect guest. All right, let's have a listen. Let's have a listen to, um, from Philemon, the greatest of these. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love Though I'm blessed with the special gift of prophecy and have not love and have not love, though my faith is strong enough to move a mountain. If I have not lived with love I am nothing but a sounding brass A tinkling cymbal Nothing, 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 nothing But with love I can bear it all Rejoicing because of love the greatest of these from Philemon. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining us here on five, six, seven, eight, faith. <laughs> I have really, it's uh, time has flown by too fast, uh, but we, we we're coming to an end and it's been a joy, joy, joy. Mark, can you give us any, before we leave, can you give us any suggestions of any, you've, you've given us a wide, wide range of different things. And you mentioned at the end uh, some uh, film things. Is there anything that you, is out there film-wise or musical-wise that you're like, oh, another great, like, to create dialogue or use your imagination um, 
talking about God's love. Uh, is there any other things you'd like to suggest for our listeners to check out, listen, or watch? Well, I, I did already mention Noah, but I just, I got to go back to it because I really, really love that movie. I, I it's, it's a great movie to watch from a Christian perspective. I kind of feel the same way about that movie that came out about 10 years ago, Where the Wild Things Are. Yes! Uh, both, of the, both of those movies, I think if I were an atheist, I would find so, um, like, sad and, and, and depressing. But as a Christian, I, watching them, I, I feel like they really tell uh, deeper truths about um, our, our, our fallen state, um, our need for a savior, um, how much, uh, how important, you know, Christ is in our lives. Um, and it, it is just interesting because not, I don't believe either of those filmmakers are Christian. Um, but, um, I, I, I really like watching Noah. I was like, wow, Aronofsky really has got like the, the Lutheran version of Noah up on screen <laughs> because, you know, us Lutherans, we're always talking about, um, uh, the, the law and, and the gospel. And I feel like Aronofsky's Noah completely understands the law because at the end of the movie, he's like, God, why did you save us? We're still sinful. We're still going to sin. We're still going to create a terrible world again. And of course, the answer is, which Aronofsky can't answer in the film because the film's called Noah and not Jesus. But the answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus was the fulfillment of, of all of creation, all of humanity. And, um, and I, I love that that movie without even intending to leads you right there because that that's what's at the center of everything you know it's all we, everything oh. points back to jesus i'm gonna watch that tomorrow night and i'm gonna bring it up and be robert look and this is what and then we're gonna we're gonna so if your ears are burning tomorrow mark Hockener, we will have a glass of wine to cheers you and yeah, watch and noah there are also giant stone monsters in it so i know i was about to say that is i was like where does that come from i love it i know where it comes from i looked it up but it, <laughs> oh, stone monsters are the best <laughs> agreed Oh, okay. Thank you, Mark, so much. Could you um, give us one? Uh, could you end our uh, help me with ending our show with a prayer, please? Sure, Helena. And, and then maybe maybe if you start, I'll finish it, and then we'll be yeah. Okay. Dear Lord, uh, thank you so much for allowing us to spend this time together to think about you and and what you've given us, and and thank you for inspiring these writers, composers, artists to create this work based on, you know, like I said, the, the truths that you told us in your holy scriptures. And Lord, please let us uh, continue to inspire and continue to let us keep the dialogue going, the discussion going and the praying and the being together, continuing on with theater, art, music, all these topics that help bring the beauty of love and truth bring our imagination to life. I ask you to take care of all of those working and taking part in Royal Family Productions, help them uh, bring those marginalized people to the stage and let those audience members really identify, see themselves in the characters on stage. I ask to take care of all those in New York and in Michigan and, all, and everywhere that's dealing with the pandemic now. Um, help us have the courage, confidence, and and do it to be able to do theatre safely once again. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.